do all of the praise. Let's pick up our Bibles if you have them with you. If not, just follow us on the screen. We're going to make our confession. It's good to confess what you know. Otherwise, you can begin to talk about what you hope or what maybe you wish or things that maybe really have no power. But the Word of God has power to change things. Amen. So let's say this together. The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Turn to somebody and say, it's hard to make it difficult. (laughs) You can be seated. Hallelujah. Well, God loves you today, and uh, he loves you every day, but especially I want you to know today that whatever you're facing, there is an answer. Turn to somebody and say, there is answers. There are answers. I'm sorry, that was bad English. He is the answer. There are answers. Always Jesus is the answer. And uh, whatever you're facing today, whatever your need might be, Jesus has an answer for you that will bring what he desires to see in your life. Uh, Oftentimes we can get in positions where we feel like, well, I don't even know if God hears me anymore. Have you ever felt like that? I, I don't even know if he's listening, but he is and he sees and he knows and he always is preparing a way ahead of us. I'm sharing a a series on disaster relief. Uh, when I was overseas this past month for about three weeks, everywhere I went, I became aware that, um, people are concerned about what's happening in the world, not just in the United States, but all over the world. Uh, I was in Hawaii. I was in the Philippines. I was in Australia. And no matter where you go, uh, the enemy is stirring up a spirit of fear, uh, a spirit of concern of what's going to happen to us, uh, you know, what's going to happen to my children, uh, where, where, where is my life going to be uh, in making plans for the future. Uh, some people even having have even given up on planning for the future because they don't know what's going to happen. And I believe that the spirit of the Lord is rising up. Also, it says in Isaiah uh, 59 that uh, when the devil raises up against the things of God, that God raises up a standard. Everybody say a standard. It even says when the enemy comes in like a flood, how many of you have ever felt like you were being overtaken by the thing that the enemy's trying to do against your life? It says when he comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. And that standard is his word uh, that he gives us by the Holy Spirit. But God is not uh, caught uh, unaware of what's happening in the earth. In fact, if we read Matthew chapter 24, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're aware that we're living in perilous times. We're aware that uh, I don't know the date when Jesus will return, the trumpet will sound, but I do know we're closer than we used to be. Uh, when I got saved 30 years ago, we're closer now than they were back then, than we were back then. So we are moving forward. The kingdom of God is always moving forward, but the kingdom of God is always victorious. Could I say that again? The kingdom of God is always victorious. And uh, I, in my surroundings, some of the places I've been, it's like because times are getting darker, the kingdom of God is being suppressed. Everybody say that's a lie. It's a lie. I believe in these last days that we will see God do greater things than we've ever seen him do before because he is a God that takes us from glory to glory. That means it gets better and better. Everybody say the best days are still ahead of us. 
And so as the body of Christ, if we begin to see this time that we're living in, not as a time of being depressed or focusing on the things that are around us, but focusing on what God says the church will be in this hour. I felt like God told me on this trip, this is going to be the church's final or finest hour. Everybody say finest hour because the darkness has increased. Uh, it says in Isaiah 60 and Kelly read at the beginning of the service in, in the last days, it says that we will arise and shine for the glory of God will rest upon us. But in the world, there will be gross darkness. Everybody say gross. How many of you know what gross means? You know, it, that means it, it, not only will it be awful, it will be unbelievable. Uh, some of the things that are happening in the world today are unbelievable. If you're thinking about it in years past, you wouldn't think those things would be necessary today. And as I looked at this message and God began to speak to me, uh, I was in Sydney, Australia, and I woke up in the morning and the Lord said to me, you are bringing disaster relief spiritually to the nations. Now, there's a, there's a natural disaster relief that people are preparing for all over the world. I saw that while I was gone. But the church, everybody say, that's us. We need to be prepared to handle the spiritual disaster that we are facing in the earth. And truly, the root of all the problems we face are spiritual. They, you know, they manifest in the natural. But the root problem is there is an enemy and he is still roaming about seeking whom he can devour or will devour. And we as the church have to stand firm in the hour we're living in and declare the truth of the word of God. And if we don't do it, there won't be anybody else who does. Uh, our political uh, system today, they're not shouting the truth of the word of God. Have, have any of you heard that? I want to turn to that channel because all I hear is everything that is negative or things that are against God's ability to do what God says he will do. The enemy wants to make God look like the liar, and he is the father of all lies. So when we recognize where we're at and we begin to do what God gives us to do, we will see God manifest himself. What does that mean? That means he will show up in the midst of our circumstances, and we will see the wonderful works of God. And as I was reading this, he said, spiritually across the world, there is spiritual disaster. You are bringing spiritual relief. Now, that word relief uh, means that we're going to remove or reduce that which is painful or unpleasant, the removal or lightening of something oppressive and distressing. And that's what, I don't know if you're in places like that, but even, even in the grocery store, even in places where you go to shop, people are distressed over the the prices of things over the the way people treat each other uh you know when you when you drive your car you know if you just take a look don't don't get off distracted from driving but kind of look around at the people you pass you know my husband yesterday we were driving somewhere and he said that woman just got out of smile school well, <laughs> that was not true. She didn't, you know, and, and when we smiled at her, she kind of went, you know, like she, she wanted to smile but couldn't remember how. And, you know, uh, the, the world is in a distressful place. On Wednesday night when we were preaching, I just felt like God said the whole world is destabilized. 
It has become destabilized because we have taken God out of schools. We've taken God out of our government. We've taken God out of everything that we can or that the the political realm can do, the people that want to live an ungodly life want to do. And now we are in a distressful situation. We are in a position where everything is destabilized and everybody's looking for something to make it be all right. And their answers are not good ones. How many of you know a lot of the answers today of how we're going to fix this are not the right answer? Because this is not a natural problem. This is a spiritual problem. And so that's our finest hour to rise up because we are the people that God has put his spirit in. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that we understand spiritual things that the natural man cannot even understand. And that the carnal man, if he does understand, doesn't want to do it. Everybody say, amen. Amen. You know, pastor, or was it uh, Kenneth Hagin who used to say, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. You know, the truth is the truth. And the truth is we have an enemy. We do have an enemy. And if we recognize who our enemy is through the power of God, we can do something about it. If we, if we start looking at all the people and the situations and the outcome of things that are spiritually rooted in a, in a place where they're destructive and we try to deal it with, it with the natural, with laws or people telling people what to do, we will never have success. When we take it on spiritually, we can win the battle. And so that's what God began to speak to me. He said, you are bringing spiritual relief or aid to help the victims be restored. The houses, uh, not just houses in the natural, but People, You know, they're the house of the Holy Spirit. It says we're the temple of the Holy Spirit to rebuild again and put them firmly on the rock. And for where we're going, uh, things are shaking. They're shaking not just in the natural. They're shaking spiritually and people are shaking all over the earth. So when I got this message, um, I the last place I was in was the Philippines and um, you know, we, I, I had uh, watched a movie, which I shouldn't have watched, but it was, it was scary. It was um, San Andreas. It was about an earthquake in California and then a, a tsunami and just all these things that happened. But then I got to the Philippines, and they put us in a hotel 21 stories up with glass windows from the ceiling to the floor. And uh, I, I, I'm not afraid of heights, but I don't like to stand by the window and look out. It's a, it gives you a kind of a funny sensation, or it does me. And, um, and then they started talking about how they were on a fault line and that they were expecting that they could have an earthquake. Well, I had just watched that movie, and I look out the window. I think I am not in the right place for this to happen here. So it's not going to happen while I'm here. I took authority that it's, we're not having an earthquake. However, they are preparing. Everybody say preparing. And so uh, the little gal who took care of us uh, and, and took us around places, she had this little thing hanging on a necklace. And I said, what is that? She said, well, we just finished 40 hours of preparation for disaster for earthquakes, for flooding, which they have a lot of flooding there. And so she said this is uh, something that we were taught that we would use in the event we faced a disaster. And the first thing was the whistle. There was a whistle that would get everybody's attention, you know, that there's something happening. And then there was a compass. And and then there was, uh, on the end of it, there's a light that you can that um, when you turn it the right way comes on and you can, you have a light. Well, that, that night the Lord just began to speak to me. That's exactly what the church is. 
They have a whistle. Everybody say a whistle. And he said, that's your voice. You have a voice to warn. Everybody say warn. You know, it says in Ezekiel that we warn people of impending danger. You know, if you see somebody about to go off a cliff, you're not going to stand there and just watch. You're going to sound an alarm to, to cause them to wake up. And that's part of Isaiah 60 when it says arise, shine. It says wake up. Come alive. Understand what's going on. It says that in Second Timothy. Be aware we are in perilous times, unpredictable times. You don't know what people are going to do. Things happen that are totally unexpected that we would have never dreamed would happen before. I'm kind of giving a summary because those of you here last week would hear this already, but some of you didn't hear this. And so then he said to me, the compass... In the body of Christ is the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. He tells us which way to go, which way not to go, things to say, things we shouldn't say. And then last, we are the light of the world. That's what it says in Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. Jesus said in Scripture, I am the light of the world. But then he proclaimed that his people, the people who believed in him, would be a light in a dark world. So as I, that, that just became really real to me. Well, then my daughter, the other day, I was talking to her, and um, some of you might have heard on the news that there were a couple of young men who broke into a house, and they were loose, and the police were chasing them. There were guns involved, and uh, my sister, or my daughter's a teacher, and uh, a few of the schools went on lockout, which means that nobody can come into the school. They lock the doors and nobody leaves and nobody comes in until it's, this issue is settled. And she had to, she told me, go outside because there were children outside and blow the whistle. Well, that was a natural situation. But in the spirit, it's time for us to blow the whistle and say, these things are not right. Uh, you know, there's, there's a very small percentage of people in our nation, and it's happening in other nations as well. It's always a very small percentage of people who are trying to do the wrong thing, but they seem to have the loudest voice. Have you ever noticed that? But the church is a greater voice. We have a greater voice because we have the power of God. We have the supernatural power of God, not a natural response, but a supernatural response. And when we use that, we become a voice in the spirit that can do things to stop what the enemy is doing. But if we just try to do it in our natural ability, we will fail just like. Everybody in the world is failing who's trying to come up to, with solutions, uh, you know, like the Iran thing that we've got going right now. The solution is we're going to keep them from building a nuclear bomb for eight years. After eight years, they can go ahead and build one. Does that sound reasonable? All that's doing is trying to solve a problem with a natural solution. They're still going to build a nuclear bomb, and the people they hate are us. And Israel, but they hate us. So what we're doing is just trying to put a Band-Aid on something that it's evil. Everybody say evil. evil. And we bind the works of the enemy, the Bible says in Matthew 16, and we lose the power of God. So as God began to speak this to me, um, he began to show me that even Jesus, when he was going to leave the earth, he began to prepare. Everybody say prepare. His disciples, John 14, 15, 16, are his preparation for his disciples of his leaving. And in John 14, 1, he said, uh, the, I go to prepare a place for you. Let not your heart be 
troubled. And what God began to speak to me was the church has to remain at peace in order to prevail in what's coming. If we become like the world, if we become fearful, if we become worried and anxious or doubtful, then we won't be able to stand to help anybody else stand. And it's, and this was, this is John one or John 14, one, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then it goes on, uh, we'll do through three. And then it says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And the third one, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so he begins to encourage his disciples. Why? Because it won't be long till he's gone. And so they need to know that what the plan is. They need to know what is the way that they're going to handle his leaving when he has been everything to the disciples as far as the, the things of God, people getting healed, people getting delivered, people being uh, rescued from situations. So he's preparing them. I believe God's trying to prepare the church. And I believe he's already sounded the whistle, but I believe he wants us to begin to listen to the Holy Spirit. That's what John 14 is all about. It goes on and it instructs us. It says, greater works will you do than I do because I go to be with the Father, just like Kelly read earlier. And then he says, but I'll give you the helper. Everybody say the helper. And the helper will not only comfort you, but he will also tell you the things that I have spoken to your heart. He'll remind you of those things. Do you, how many of you have ever been in a situation where when it happens, you just think you can't think? Have you ever, it's like, oh, brain lock up. You know, you don't know, but your spirit, everybody say the spirit, the spirit man is always awake. The spirit man is always alive. So within us is this compass that will tell us what to do in that situation. In many situations, will let us know ahead of time, like it says in John 16, let us know ahead of time what's happening so we know what to do even before it happens. That's a great thing to have on the inside of us. Discernment to know what to do when, when everything around us is not going the way we think. Um, when I first heard this, I... I felt like the Lord said there will have to be peace in the midst of the storm because there is a storm. There is a storm happening right now. This week I was in a meeting in Indianapolis uh, Thursday night with uh, Indiana Family Institute. That the, the, the family system is being challenged in our, in our nation right now with the, uh, with the gay marriage, with marriage being uh, assaulted and saying it's not just the way God says it is. It can be between a man and a man or a woman and a woman. Those things are done to erode confidence in God. Do, do you understand? They're there to erode the family to a place. And it's, it's going to be taught in schools. It, it's already being taught in some schools. It's time for the church, everybody say the church, to blow the whistle, to blow the whistle, to begin to speak the truth according to what the Holy Spirit says. Because there is a spiritual disaster. It's not just about gay marriage. It's not just about the things that are put before us that we see. It's about the things that are happening underneath, those spiritual things that are happening to erode people, people's confidence in God. You know, um, yesterday when I was praying, I felt like today God wanted to minister to people to stop drawing back. You know, there's a place where we have to make a decision to go forward or to pull back. 
And when I look at our our church, when I look at other places where uh, I've been in Tulsa and other situations, there are a lot of Christians who are pulling back. They're not advancing. They're they're withdrawing. Everybody say that's dangerous. There is we will not be safe drawing back. But when I look at attendance in churches, our church, other churches, when I visit with other pastors, people that you would have thought would remain strong and go through, they're pulling back. The Bible says, do not draw back. Once you start, do not draw back. I want to read it to you. It's in Hebrews. And if you're not living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, if you're not listening to God every day and being led by that compass, you will begin to be moved by what you hear. And it says in Hebrews 11, uh, 38, now the just shall live by faith. Everybody say by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now, when people begin to draw back, they begin to be intimidated by what other people are saying. Uh, when I was listening to these people on Thursday night that were standing up for righteousness and truth and the things that they're going to have to do to proceed with what they're going to do, which is to sue uh, uh, over this last uh, thing that was done by our Senate or our uh, our political system in Indianapolis where they, our governor went and kind of made the marriage thing for Indiana. He kind of watered it down. And uh, so they're going to be in a position where they're going to sue. I don't have time to go through all those details, but how many of you know when the church stands up and begins to say this isn't right, when people begin to stand up and say this isn't right for the family, that there's going to be a conflict. And it will be in the news, and there these people will be persecuted. That's what the Word of God says is going to happen. But we cannot draw back. Everybody say, don't draw back. Don't draw back. It says God has no pleasure in that. Why? Because we are the light of the world. We're the only ones that are going to stand up. And and so it also says, if you look at that scripture, in Hebrews eleven six, what does it say? That without faith it is impossible to please God. So it, that's why it says God has no pleasure in those who draw back. It says in James, on the other hand, in James, it says in verse seven of chapter four, therefore submit to God. Everybody say submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And third, draw near to God, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners and purify your hearts. You double minded. Now, I want to talk to you about being double-minded today. There is no peace if you're double-minded. Double-mindedness is an enemy of spiritual warfare. It causes us to start doubting. Everybody say doubt. And when we begin to doubt, how many of you know it starts out just with a little question, but before long, it's turned into a major discussion in your mind. Everybody say in my mind. And your mind begins to try to reason. It flips over to reasoning instead of trusting in God. That's where our peace is. It says in Psalm 73, 2, it is good for me to draw near to God. He is the one I trust. Everybody say trust. And so when you draw near to God, he'll bring you assurance that no person can bring you. It doesn't matter what's going on. God can give you assurance. And it says here, uh, if we look at James chapter 1, it says, but verse 6, let him ask in faith, 
with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. And what is he? What is he? Unstable in all his ways. You know, I said this last week, and I'll say it again. Uh, years ago, I was sharing up in Michigan in a ladies' conference, and a woman got up and said, in the last days, the Lord told her, in the last days, the hardest thing to find would be a stable Christian. That's a bad report. But God told her that, that we would have to remain stable. Did you ever dream we would be facing the things we're facing right now that challenge the word of God, that we would have to take a stand in order for those things not to take place? I would have never thought that. But if you go back and look, when they took God out of the schools, things began to destabilize. Then pretty soon we had to deal with abortion. When that got passed and they removed God from the situation of saying that an unborn child is a child, they say a fetus, and because they use that word, it makes it all right for abortion to take place. All these things are challenging, not us. They're challenging God. They're challenging who God is. And, um, I was reading in uh, 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles about Hezekiah. He was a king. Uh, of the, He was over Judah, the tribe of Judah, just before, just before they went into Babylon and went into captivity. And he had cleaned up the temple. In fact, it says they carried out the rubbish. I believe God's carrying out the rubbish of the church. I believe God is saying, hey, we're going to have to get things cleaned up because... You're not going to be able to stand if things aren't cleaned up. And so he's beginning to, to say things to people to clean up and make a stand. Everybody say make a stand in their own personal life against things that they've maybe kind of watered down a little bit and begun to do. And God's saying, get the rubbish out of the temple. And so I see that in people's lives. I, I have people calling me. I had a lady call me on the phone at 3 in the morning <laughs> over in Perth. Because it was three in the afternoon here. And she called to say to me, I'm not doing what I used to be doing and I'm not going to be doing it. And, and I'm going to be coming to church and I'm going to get my life right. Well, I didn't mind that wake up call. That was okay. Why? Because that's somebody who's finding out that they need to get the rubbish out of their life so they can live. I mean, live through what we're going to face as we walk through these last days. It's dangerous. Just like when my daughter had to blow the whistle and get the kids off the playground. That There didn't look like there was anybody running around with a gun. But who knows if that person that had just committed that crime is not running around with a gun right where they are. We don't always know, but the Holy Spirit does. And so as we begin to not let ourselves be double-minded, not try to reason away things because it might hurt somebody's feelings or because, it, you know, well, we'll just do a little bit of it, a little bit. It'll be all right. We can't give an inch to the enemy because when we give an inch, he takes a mile. And that's what's happened. So when we begin to see that we have got to turn to the Lord, now it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I asked him to sing that song at the offering today, because I believe that God wants the church to begin to worship him and focus on him because in the place of worship is where you draw near to God. You know, uh, if you're just living life and doing your thing, um, you, you, 
get caught up in everything going around you. But when you begin to worship, that's where God begins to speak to his people. If there's something not right, you'll hear about it. How many of you have ever been worshiping God and you hear about something that you need to fix in your life? Uh, I believe that we were as a church, uh, we're going to concentrate. I'm going to do some Sunday night things on worship and prayer, because I believe that if, if we do that, we won't have to, to have somebody tell us, turn your light on. Our light will be on. See, but when you begin to worship God and you draw near to him, it says he will draw near to you and in that place it says it cleanses your heart and purifies your hands and so as we draw near to him he will draw near to us and then our light will shine it won't be we have to turn it on it will just be on you know when moses would come out of the temple and he would come out of that time in that tabernacle his face shone i believe that's where the body of christ will be and i believe that will be a spiritual relief for people of the world because they're looking for help. They're looking for power. Everybody say power. And we do not have the power any more than anybody else out there that has a natural answer. We only have power when it's by the Holy Spirit. And that's why we've got to be led by the Holy Spirit and then let our light shine. And as we worship, we bring ourselves into the presence of God. If you look in uh, Hebrews, back in Hebrews, the same chapter we were just in, in chapter 10, it says... Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. I don't know about you, but when we worship on Sunday morning or when we worship on Wednesday night, uh, something inside begins to rise up on the inside. Have you ever felt that? You know, like uh, you come in one way and you go out another way. Uh, The other day, my husband was saying, my mother is 92 and, uh, and she hasn't been feeling well, but, um, and, and this isn't exactly the same thing, but I said, mother, she said, my hair, I just, I can't get my hair done. Now, if you're 92 and can't get your hair done, you probably think, what's the big deal? Well, to my mother, it's a big deal. How many of you know my mom? She, she perks right up. So she, I said, okay, mom, why don't you go get your hair done? Oh. Oh, is it all right? I said, sure, go get your hair done. So Bill took her to the beauty shop. He said, honey, it was just like when I take the dog to the groomer. (laughs) You know, the dog runs in to the groomer, but he's not looking, feeling, you know, our little dog. She runs in, but when she comes out, she just prances. You know, she knows she's pretty. Well, here comes Grandma Lou. He said, out the door. She, He said, she went in one way, came out another, man. She perked right up, head straight up, just come right out of there, you know. And, uh, you know, she hadn't been feeling well, hadn't been doing anything. That night she got up and went to the Fab 50s. I mean, she was right on it. You know, there she was. You saw her, Joyce. And so, you know, that's, that's what happens in worship. When you begin to worship God and you begin to say, here I am worshiping you, something on the inside draws you back. And when you're drawn close to Jesus, that's when you begin to reflect Jesus. That's when the power of God begins to be seen in who you are. And that doesn't come uh, from getting your hair done, really. Uh, it did for my mother. You know, it perked her up. But what keeps you spiritually strong is being in the presence of God and, and being in that place. And I see so many people today, they still know the Word of God. I've had people say to me, oh, we're doing fine. You know, we have a foundation in the Word. I want to tell you, a foundation in the Word is not going to keep you where we're headed. It's going to have to be, I live in the presence 
of the word. I live in the presence of the spirit of God. I am listening all the time because I know that my life depends on listening all the time. You know, when you're traveling around the world and you're by yourself, you know, uh, well, I was with Pastor Sharon, but still it was just the two of us and you're in foreign countries and, you know, not everybody's friendly in a foreign country, especially to Americans sometimes, uh, especially in uh, when you go through customs and things like that. You have to know who you are and you have to know God sent you there. Well, it's got to be like that today where we live. You've got to know that where you work, God sent you there. You've got to know that the people that God puts in your path, God sent you there. Just like my daughter, I know he made her a teacher in that school. And I know spiritually she will hear God to know what to do. It's not about, she doesn't just blow a whistle. She blows a whistle, but she knows spiritually what God is saying. We have, we have to know that. And the only way to know that is to draw back because we're going to bring the spiritual relief that the people of the world need. How many of you know some people who've let go? They, they went back. Uh, you know, they're, they're going slowly, maybe some of them, but they're going. This is the time where God, I believe, is going to show the church what to say. And it isn't, you're going to hell if you don't go back to church. Please don't say that. And if you do, don't say you go here. <laughs> Tell them you go, I don't know, to some other church where they'd say that. I just, we, we do not condemn people. God does not condemn people. He woos people. And I want to tell you, if you're full of the glory, no problem. It says in Isaiah 60, I'm going to read this to you and then we'll pray. This is what it says in Isaiah 60 as it goes on in that uh, last chapter uh, or last part of that. It says, the people will begin to run to you. Everybody say run to you. When the glory of God is on you. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And Gentiles, that means anybody at that time that didn't wasn't part of the Jewish people, uh, they were called Gentiles. Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Kings are people of authority. When your light begins to shine like that, people will come. This is the way you do it. Are you ready? This is how we do it. This is what it says in James after it says that we will draw near to God. It says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift. What will he do? Lift you up. If we are lifted up, then Jesus is lifted up. And if Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all men to him. Amen. Let's stand. Father, I thank you today for every person here. I thank you for their lives. I thank you that it is our love for you, Lord, that motivates us just like it was your love for us that motivated you to go to the cross. You didn't go to the cross because you wanted to follow a rule. You went to the cross because you loved us. It says that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. And so, Lord, I ask you to to cause us to love like you love, to bring us close to you, Jesus, to draw us by your spirit into your presence more and more every day that, that we would be more like you, not because we make rules to follow, but because we allow you to fill us with your presence, with your spirit in such a way 
that when we walk into the situations that we will face, that we will arise and shine, that the peace that you've put on the inside of us will radiate from us and it will cause people to be at rest and be able to hear and receive from you. That, Lord, we will be a people who humble ourselves, not, not make ourselves unworthy because we are worthy. We are worthy in God's sight. His son died for us. But that we would see that our need is to allow you to be more prevalent in our life than we are, than our choices, our decisions. 